It and, is often yeah. a lot simpler than I think a lot of people think to do what you need to do to get clients. I mean, it's the same kind of thing in the gym, isn't it? Where exactly. what you actually need to do is obscenely simple, but the act of doing that thing is so difficult that we seek out more and more ways to do it, mm-hmm. which of course complicates the entire process. But really what we need to do is just execute on the simple shit relentlessly for much longer. And the people who do that wake up one day and they said, oh yeah, that's how I got here. And most of the people never wake up that one day because they stopped before them. Welcome to the Find Your Strong podcast. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay, president of Strong Fitness Magazine, founder of Team Strong Girls, and fitness coach turned fitness publisher. Each week, I'm going to give you a thought or an interview of how to build stronger bodies, stronger minds, and stronger relationships. Getting to where I am now has been nothing short of a journey of the ultimate highs and the deepest of lows. I've had my fair share of setbacks, near bankruptcy, an eating disorder, and multiple miscarriages. You name it, I lost my way time and time again. But through it all, I uncovered my purpose, which gave me the perseverance to find my strong and stay the course. I've spent more than 15 years coaching women, and I know that fitness is a vessel to help you feel strong, confident, and empowered in your body and your life. If you're looking for inspiration and motivation, you've come to the right place. You are not going to want to miss this. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I sit down with Jonathan Goodman, who I call a great friend now. We have spent a lot more time together this year, which has been amazing. And um, Jonathan Goodman has had 17 years in the fitness industry, and he is the author of Ignite the Fire with over a thousand plus five-star reviews. His current project is free software for fitness and nutrition coaches called Quick Coach. And he's very, very active on his personal Instagram, which I've included in the show notes below. But we have a really great conversation today about trainers, like personal trainers transitioning into the online world. And he's helped thousands of trainers do that. And I love the way that he actually like categorizes things, like categorizes trainers, like what should trainers be doing from zero to two years of starting their personal training career? What should trainers be doing when they've had a little bit more experience? And then if you've moved into that elite trainer, what you should be focusing on. So we have a really, really great conversation here. He is a wealth of knowledge. I learn so much from him all the time. I hear him speak. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show, John. I am so excited to sit down with you today. Hi. Hi. My. Is that a, is that a weird way to say hi? Yeah. <laughs> hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's simple. Yeah. My house is like full of your books. Cool. Like literally in every room. And uh, I mean, I wish that when I transitioned to online training, like back in 2012, like I actually read your book beforehand, <laughs> I did end up getting your books after, which, which really helped me. Like, and I give your books to all of uh, my team now and I make sure that they, they read it like the online training and getting clients and referrals. Um, because I feel like you have like this uncanny way of just simplifying things. It and, is often yeah. a lot simpler than I think a lot of people think 
to do what you need to do to get clients. I mean, it's the same kind of thing in the gym, isn't it? Where what you actually need to do is obscenely simple, but the act of doing that thing is so difficult that we seek out more and more ways to do it, Mm -hmm. which of course complicates the entire process. But really what we need to do is just execute on a simple shit relentlessly for much longer. And the people who do that wake up one day and they said, oh yeah, that's how I got here. And most of the people never wake up that one day because they've stopped before them. Yeah. I mean, it's the yeah. same. It's the parallels in the gym. Like it's not any different. It's not any different. And like, I, I ref- that's why I do refer back to your books and even on your Instagram account, like I'll go and read your stuff because the further along I get into my journey and my coaching business, it's like, I like to go back down and, and just like read your stuff to, to bring mm. me back down to, to simplify things. Right. And it's just been such a pleasure getting to know you over the last six to eight months. We met through geo, um, you know, at a, through at a few events and sitting down yeah. and having sushi with you. I feel like we could have <laughs> talked about the fitness industry for hours that day, but you I know that was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had to go. But uh, but no, that was that was super fun. No, you guys, have, you guys have been a pleasure to get to know. And, you know, it's people talk about the fitness industry. There's a lot of um, perhaps negativity uh, sometimes mm-hmm. towards the fitness industry, particularly the online fitness industry. But what you realize very quickly when you get actually into it is the people who are negative about it are not the people who are actively working in it. Uh, mm. The people who are negative about it are the people who see it from the outside. And, and it's just, I mean, I don't really know why I can make some suggestions, but and it's like anything else. We don't really understand a thing. We come to conclusions about that thing. And what I have realized over the years is that the fitness industry is big and small. The people mm-hmm. who are around doing good work, we get to know one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've known of you guys. You guys have known of me for almost a decade. Yeah. But we really just got to start hanging out not even a year ago. Yeah. And that's a kind of a common story. You see that a lot of the time and you realize just how many good people there are doing good work in this field. Um, and so, but, but I find that often the people who are negative towards it are the people who uh, are, are often newer or have a misunderstanding mm-hmm. about the industry itself. For example, somebody came to me the other day and um, it, it was like, it was like four voice messages and super respectful. Um, but he basically told me about why he doesn't believe in online training. You know, he's, he's like, I'm an in-person training. This is why I don't believe in online training. But at the same time, I really like your stuff and I really trust you. And you seem to push online training and I don't believe that you can do it responsibly. So like, tell me where I'm wrong is basically what the message was. And, and I just responded to him and I said, you know, you're correct. Like, first of all, it sounds like you've made up your mind and like there's different ways to do this thing, right? For you mm-hmm. in person might be best. You don't have to do online training to be successful in this field. But at the same time, um, you're right in that online training is probably not the right choice for somebody who's, uh, who's training clients who are brand new to fitness, but you're wrong in that you can't get somebody good results with mm-hmm. online training. In fact, what we started to notice back in 2013, 2014, what the research is showing is that because of the psychology of the thing, people actually oftentimes get better results with online coaching than they do with in-person coaching. And the reason for that, interestingly enough, comes down to self-efficacy. It's the belief that one can achieve. Most people, when they are in-person coaching, when they hire an in-person coach, they don't really have that much choice over the selection of that coach, right? They go to a gym or whatever it is, and they get whoever's paired with them. They don't really believe that that person can actually help them in any way, shape or form. They just kind of get paired with that person. And so as a result, the adherence is not that strong. Mm -hmm. Contrast that with online where you can basically prepare yourself and look for the person you want to work with. 
for yeah. whatever reason, and then choose that person wherever they are in the world. Well, your belief then that that person is the right person to take you to the chosen land, to take you to where you want to go, is way higher. As a result, your adherence is going to be way better to the programming and you're going to get better results. And then what I just ended with him is like, but that's not true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Online training is a piece of the pie. In-person training is a piece of the pie. Crunch is a piece of the pie. Zumba is a piece of the pie. Curves is a piece of the pie. At 45, I can keep going and going and going. The truth of the matter is there's a very smart friend of mine. His name is David, said something, said one line to me one time that there's just so much wisdom in it. And he said, different shit is different. Mm-hmm. That's, That's it. True. That's yeah. all there is to it. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't work. It's like, well, I mean, like, clearly it fucking does. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, but like, doesn't mean it's right for everybody. How did, like, you started out as a trainer? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, our, our community, our strong community is full with, full, full of trainers, nutritionists, body transformation coaches, fitness enthusiasts, a lot of people that uh, listen to this podcast that read strong, they are personal trainers on the gym floor. And that's exactly where you started. How did you start and how did you transition from working as a one-on-one personal trainer on the gym floor to owning multiple online fitness businesses and helping thousands of coaches do the same? (laughs) That's a really, I know it's a big long journey. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is basically my entire adult life that I'm going (laughs) to summarize for you and and give or take a few minutes. It's um, a lot of trial and error. I mean, first off, and I think I think the moral of the story, I mean, I'll tell you a bit of the story, but I think the moral of the story is back then, this is aging myself, but you're, I think, in and around the same age as me, so I'm happy yeah. doing that. <laughs> you know, I started personal training clients in 2005 in the university gym at the University of Western Ontario, and I trained for three years at the university gym while I studied kinesiology, mm-hmm. um, my second to fourth year. So by the time that I trained full-time clients um, in 2007, I already had three years of experience, right? Which is, you know, so I was pretty young when I started. And back then, I mean, the internet, of course, existed. Facebook existed. But it wasn't what it was today. And, and I think that that I didn't have the same kind of comparison shit. I just didn't know what else was out there. And I wonder how much of that we need to kind of get back a lot of the time. There's this concept that fascinates me. I call it the ignorance quotient, which is like the shittiest name ever, but I do own the domain. But it's a book that I want to write, which is how can we quantify the point that you get to where you know enough about a thing, where you can take action on it, and you're going to avoid a catastrophic failure. But if you know more about the thing, it actually becomes being a disservice because then you start to question all of the reasons why it might not work or all of the things Mm -hmm. that you should be doing to do it better. Back then, you had to be very resourceful. I mean, I go to the library and I check out books and whatever it was. And as a result, I didn't know all of the reasons why I shouldn't be doing stuff. And so I just did them. I feel like that's way harder today. And I feel like the advice that I want to give to people that are starting out or trying to make this transition is like, actually know less about a thing. And I'll try to quantify that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Seneca once said, if you wish to stave off all fear, imagine that the worst that can happen most definitely will happen. And mm. so the the way to actually take action is to imagine the, the worst case scenario, because when you do that, you realize that it's actually usually not that bad. Because there's if you look up um, Nassim Talib and Anti-Fragile and any of his work, I think he was way ahead of his time. He basically said, you have no idea what's going to happen in the future, no matter what. You just you just have no idea. You have no idea what you're going to do is whether it's going to work. Or, even if you make a really good choice, like the best, invest, think about financial investment, the best financial investors in the world are right 55 to 60% of the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. which means the literal best decision makers on the planet get their ass handed to them four out of 10 times. My guess is you are not the best decision maker on the planet. I'm certainly not. Yeah. Which means that I can hope to like maybe be right 50% of the time. Even if I make a good choice, even if I make a good decision, it's still not going to work out for me a lot of the time. You know, you think about like all these people who bought Dogecoin and like all this dumb crypto stuff that everybody knew was dumb all the way through. It's like, well, like the Dogecoin millionaire was like celebrated back you know, in the day when that thing was like pumping up like mad, it's like, well, he actually made a really fucking stupid decision. Like it worked out for him. But if you make the dumbest decision ever, you might have a 10% chance of it working out. That still means one in 10 times it's going to work at work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so my point in saying all of this is the anti-fragile approach that I believe all of us need to take in business is to position ourselves so that when we make a decision, and whatever we work on works, it works really, really big. Mm. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't take us out of the game. Because mm-hmm. the worst thing that you can do is put yourself in a position where you've invested so much money or so much time or whatever it is, where if this thing doesn't work, you're done. Like, I don't think anybody should go into debt or like anything, basically, yeah. for, for that reason. And, but if the thing works, it works really big. And I say this because I see a lot of what people are doing is that like the effort that you spend on something could be spent on something that has the potential to win really big or has the potential, even if it works to like, just do okay. Well, to me, that's not the type of bet that you want to make. You want to make what's called asymmetric bets, where if the thing wins, it'll win really big. Mm-hmm. And if it loses, well, that sucks. You get kicked in the teeth, but like you get up and you can fight another day. Yeah. And so I don't know. What was your question? How did I make that transition? Um, the transition was largely that without knowing that I was a trainer on the floor and one of my clients came in. One, one of the best advantages we have as personal trainers is like our clients by definition are like wealthy and successful. And they yeah. mentor us. And we can learn from them. <laughs> and we yeah. learn from them. Yeah. I think that's yeah. such an under, like, I think the best job in the world for a young person to have is to be a personal trainer, even if it's not what they're going to do for the rest of their life for no other mm-hmm. reason than like, where else can you get the richest and wealthiest people in your neighborhood and your community to mentor you for free multiple yeah. hours a week when you're in your twenties. And so this one client was the chief of psychiatry at um, one of the major hospitals in Toronto. And he walked in one day and he was entrepreneurial as well. He still is. And he walked in one day and he was five minutes late because he was always five minutes late. And his name was Tom. 
And he looked mm-hmm. at me and he said, he's like, Hey, John. I was like, I was like, Tom, go get dressed. You idiot. You're late. <laughs> and, uh, and he walked right up to me on the gym floor. I'm like, idiot, go get dressed. Right. And he, and he takes a book out of his bag and he hands it to me. And he says, you're not going to be my personal trainer much longer. And the book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki. And he said, you know, I don't know what it is about you. At this point, we've been training for a couple of years, right? He's like, I don't know what it is about you, but like, you're going to do something really interesting. And I don't know what that is, but I wish somebody gave me this book when I was your age. And then he walked away and got changed and I kicked the shit out of him for 40 minutes. <laughs> but it, it was, you know, and what, what he also passed along to me was this equation, which is like the simplest thing ever. I call it the freedom number equation. I teach it most of what I do. It's kind of this fear-basing idea, right, that I hit on before, which is figure out how much money you need to survive mm-hmm. at any given time. And so that's like mortgage, food, if you have any dependables, any debt you have to pay off, whatever it is. What's that amount of money you need per month? Okay. Have you actually defined that number, number one? Because it's a really simple number to figure out for most people. But have you actually defined it? So at that point, I defined it, right? It was $2,600. Now, that was super low because I was single, living in a one-bedroom apartment, like no expenses, whatever, right? Obviously, it's quite a bit more with a mortgage and a family. But at that point, it was $2,600. And then what you do is... At, at one point, like I always say, freedom is providing yourself the opportunity to fail. Like at one point, you need to open up space so that you can work proactively on your future. That might mean reading more books. That might mean creating content. That might mean just trying shit that, you, that doesn't have to work. Like think about that competitive advantage today. If you can try shit that doesn't have to work and other people can't. And so... If you know that you got to make $2,600, then I looked at all my clients. I was training about 40 hours a week. And I said, how many clients do I have to train to make $2,600 a month? Mm. Because now I feel safe, right? I know that this is the amount of money I need now that I'm safe. And what I figured out was I only needed, I, I, I don't do public math. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I'll tell you how I kind of broke down and like organized them. So then I organized my clients into what I called ABC level clients. A clients were like the people I love. They were consistent. I tell them their sessions were up. They buy another 50 sessions like that, right? Like it was love just, they were just solid. Yeah, like two, three times <laughs> yeah. a week. Yeah. But B clients were people who like, I really enjoyed training, but maybe weren't quite as consistent. C clients were people who just, there's always one or two. Like, mm-hmm. So the C clients, I just gave away right away. And then I looked at where the A clients were organized in my schedule, if they were mm-hmm. bunched up. And I decided those were the times that I was going to work. So I decided then that um, it was going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, Tuesday and Thursday morning, and then Saturday until noon was when I was going to work. So I was going to take Tuesday and Thursday afternoons off to start. And any of the A clients that didn't fit into that schedule, I tried to get them in right away. Any of the B clients who um, I could fit in, I fit in. And any other ones I gave away. And so I actually moved down from 40 hours to about 25 hours a week. And with those extra two afternoons, I started reading more. I started writing more content for my blog at the time. And then I started to make a bit of money with my blog. So now I'm making a bit of money on the net. I'm making most of my money from in-person training. I'm getting up to that 2,600, no problem. 
So then I moved down to 15 hours and I gave away my Tuesdays and Thursdays completely. Um, Did you give them away completely or did you actually, like, did you have somebody come in where you? I was working at a gym with great trainers. And so uh, they, at this point, like everybody saw kind of the process that was happening. Like Put it this way. When I finally stepped away from training, none of my clients were surprised. <laughs> like they could all see the writing on the wall. So, so yeah. I, I was fortunate in that um, it was still close. There was, there was four of us that worked on the gym floor, um, Manny, Eddie, Scotty, and I. And we, we showed clients like, like a fair bit. If somebody went away on vacation or whatever it was, um, the other one would train them. What I realized now was very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, all, four, all four of us are still in the fitness industry, which is amazing. Oh, wow. Um, but anyway, that was my process. Step one was figuring out exactly what I needed per month. Step two was saying, okay, what am I doing now that I need to continue doing in order to make what I know that I need each month? Okay. Can I give away a little bit of work and free up some time so that I can do the proactive stuff that's going to allow me to move forward? Cool. As you do that, you start to realize that the space and the gap starts widening. So I started Mm -hmm. freeing up more space and more space and more space. Um, And then eventually, I mean, the night that I, the night that I decided to stop training altogether was still scary as all hell. I mean, I cried my eyes out. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a scary jump, but I always knew that I could go back um, to personal training if it didn't work out. Uh, Yeah, that was my process. And then I just, I don't know, yada, 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 whatever. Yeah, I think. I think um, it's here we are. I think it's brilliant how you categorize them to A, B, and C, and then consciously like looked at your schedule and you know created that right. time for yourself because I feel like a lot of um, the trainers that are trying to transition to online, they're, they're, they have that a little bit of scarcity mindset of like losing a client, right? Yeah. But if you categorize them in that way, like the clients that are like not showing up, canceling often, so hard to renew. And start that way, it it really allows you to free up the time. If you don't, I yeah, mean, yeah. If you're good at what you do, mm-hmm. if you're not good at what you do, you got to get good at what you do. Like you should not be competing in an online marketplace. Yeah. If you are not yet good at what you do. Yeah. Like I'll just I'll just go ahead and just say that blindly. But if you're good at what you do, and you know that you need to free up a bit more time, you overcome burnout, all this kind of shit. Right. You, you cannot be worried about losing Mary and Stan because Mary and Stan train on Thursday mornings and you, you have decided that you're only going to work certain amounts of time. I mean, the way to move up in your career as a personal trainer is to con- constrict, is to block off your time and charge way more money than you are right now and be okay with losing clients that don't fit into that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're actually good at what you do, Mary and Stan might leave, right? But Jason and Agnes are going to come right in and fill their spots. And they're going to fill their spots in a way that works better for you and your schedule. And you're going to be able to show up better for them. And you're going to be able to then use that more energy and that time to do a better job with them. To if you create content, create better content to do others. It's a flywheel effect. But if you never actually make that step, the scary step to constrict, knowing that you might lose Mary and Stan, then you're never going to move up. You're never yeah. going to get ahead. 
Now, you've made a few posts about this. You've talked about this in the article. What is your thoughts on somebody who might just be starting out as a trainer? Either they're on the gym floor, they're on on, or they started out online, mm-hmm. and they are trying to get clients through social media right away and Instagram in particular. What would you say to them? <laughs> and they're having a hard time finding those clients. I mean, you're having a hard time because you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, where do I begin here? Because um, that's what most people are doing now, right? They, yeah. Like hmm. just because social media exists, just because it's in your face does not mean that it's important. Mm-hmm. Presence does not equate to importance. Just because you see it, just because you see a follower count go up or down or whatever, doesn't mean it means it. fucking think. But it's hard to get away from that because that's probably what you're looking at all the time. I mean, I got a message from somebody last week and it was like, Hey man, I need, you know, I need to get a few more clients. Can you help me? Like, like, how do I increase my following? So I get a few more clients. And I look at his, I look at his Instagram and he's got like 2,500 followers or something like that. And I messaged him. He's like, Oh, how many clients do you have now? It's like three, like 2,500 followers. You have three clients. You need 10. Do you really think going from 2,500 to 5,000 followers is going to make any goddamn difference? Like (laughs) clearly your issue here is not like, what's your conversion rate on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, three divided by 2,500. What, like, clearly your issue here is that what you are doing is not actually creating the value that you need to create in order to convert people to clients. And so increasing the numbers is the easy thing that people look at to say, oh, that must be the problem, but it's not. And so I believe very strongly in saying, okay, well, what's, let's, let's work backwards, right? What is my desired outcome? And so I use the example all the time. I live in um, just outside of Toronto in Etobicoke. You obviously know it. People listening might not. It's a suburb outside of Toronto. And if I were to build a personal training business where I live right now, here's exactly what I would do. There's three things. I might not do all three of them, but here's the three things that I would choose from. Because my goal is to build basically i want the wealthy connected people in this network mm-hmm. to in this community to look at me as the fitness expert i don't mm-hmm. care who's out there in the world two hundred dollars is two hundred dollars is two hundred dollars i don't care if i get it from somebody who's next door from me or somebody who lives in uganda money counts the same yeah and i would rather this is kind of me personally but i would rather make an impact locally than make an impact internationally mm. I want to work on what's inside my fence mm-hmm. before I start working on what's outside my fence. Now, ultimately, I want to make the biggest impact possible, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So here's what I would do. It's three things. Number one is I would join the uh, Township of Islington Business Improvement Association. And I would volunteer at all of their events. Because that would be a really easy way to meet all of the business owners who live in the township of Islington. I would volunteer at their events. I would try to champion events like garbage cleanups and stuff like that. That's number one. Number two, I would create a podcast. Now, when people think about social media and podcasts and stuff like that, 
they think about how to get as many listeners as possible. I don't give a shit about trying to get somebody to listen to my podcast about fat loss somewhere else in the world. So what I would do is I would start a podcast that would be called The Best of Etobicoke, where I interview the trailblazers, the business leaders thrusting the township of Etobicoke into the 21st century. Because what that would allow me to do now is I would be able to call up the CEOs of every single company that live in Etobicoke and call them up and get them on, like probably to meet with me in person, to be honest, personally, to have a one-on-one conversation. Now, this is not a fitness podcast, right? This is an Etobicoke podcast. podcast this is a yeah. local podcast. I just happen to be a gym owner or a personal trainer or whatever it is who lives in Etobicoke. Because what that would be doing, like what you and I are doing right now, having a one-on-one conversation eye-to-eye for an hour, is probably a more in-depth, focused conversation than that person has with anybody else that month, like including their spouse. The relationship that you will build with them over the course of And then what you do is that person now feels really special. So they're going to share their podcast with their network. Mm -hmm. You ask them if they know any other business owners, they introduce you to the other business owners in the network. Then you start doing like breakfasts and stuff like that, where you're actually connecting the business owners of your community with one another. And I'm telling you right now, if all you did was this podcast, I'd rather have a hundred listeners of business owners, of wealthy business owners who live in Etobicoke than 50,000 people who are kind of interested in fat loss who live somewhere in the world. That's smart. Like think about, yeah. think about the value of it. I'll, I'll tell you an example from my life. And so um, Instagram, I did, I, I, was, I was called in a friend of mine, Eric runs all the, he's the director of personal training for Good Life. Yeah. Good Life runs 75% of personal training in Canada. And, um, and he asked me to come in and speak to their uh, district managers when they had the CanFit Pro Conference. All their district managers were in town. So these like 15, 16 people, 17 people run basically 75% personal training. Right? Asked to speak to them about personal branding and, and, and marketing and stuff like that. So I went in and talked to them. And we had a, I, he asked me like two days before. So it was just like this. It was just like, yeah, let's just like, let's just rap about this stuff and talk about this stuff. And afterwards, I went and sat down beside while Eric kind of finished up, you know, for the day. And um, one of the women who's the district manager just shows me a phone. She's like, hey, look at this. And on her phone was uh, her Instagram and a message. And it was a facility manager that she manages forwarding her a post of mine the day before. You didn't know who I was, right? Forwarding her a post of mine the day before. Um, saying, hey, you got to check this out. And I think all of, the, all of the trainers could benefit from this. Now, think about what happened because that post was a pretty nuanced post that I wrote about personal trainers and programming. Mm-hmm. It did not perform well on Instagram in terms of superficial engagement. It did not get a lot of likes, did not get a lot of shares, whatever it is. This facility manager sending it to his district manager I don't even know if that registers as a share on my data. Even if it does, it's one share, but a share is not a share is not a share is not a share. This was a share from a facility manager of a gym to a district manager of multiple gyms saying, hey, you got to show this to all of your trainers and get them to follow this guy. That's awesome. Think about the value of that. Yeah. Compared with just me pointing at words and space, you know, trying to 
be a dancing monkey for likes. <laughs> and so, so there's the podcast. And then the third thing that I do, um, if I lived in this neighborhood, is I pound the pavement. I, this is a lost art. Shake hands, talk to people in real life. I would, I would go to every single gym or every single small business and I'd walk in and I'd introduce myself. Like, hey, what's going on? I'm John. Look, I'm a trainer just moving down the street. Want to get to know you. Oh, hey, Jen, what's going on? Ask you a couple questions, you know. Oh, you got a family. Oh, you from here, whatever it is. And I would, I would have a notebook. And once we're done talking, I'd walk out of your store and I'd write down in my notebook, Jen, like, what are you like? Seven foot three. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, right. Two kids, yeah. Yeah. Maybe two boys, like any like a profile stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd write a profile, then I'd walk into the next store and do the same thing, the same thing, awesome. the same thing. And, and I'd go into these stores every two or three weeks. And just say hi to who's in there. And before I'd go into the store, I'd look up their thing and remember their name and remember their kids' names. And, oh, you got a butt mitzvah coming up or whatever it is, right? And, um, and I can tell you right now that, to be honest, even if I did one of those things, I'd probably be full within three months. If I did all three of those things, I'd be opening up my own gym and hiring other trainers and filling them up within six months. Because the bow is set so low. Yeah. For like actual human connection and like yeah. community outreach and engagement and like real human shit, the unscalable stuff. And 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 by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but I have yet to teach a single squat poorly online. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nothing that like, has nothing to do with you didn't have to post at all. You do those three things. Yeah. You're actually just talking to people where I feel like a lot of people are missing these days. They just feel as though they can post on Facebook or on Instagram or make a reel and attract clients. And they're not even, they, you know, the word that you use there is good, like attract clients. They're not even, what, what I'm seeing is, put it this way. If I was walking down the street and I was hungry and I really felt like a sandwich and you owned a sandwich shop, but the door was locked, the blinds were closed, and you didn't have a sign. Would I stop for a sandwich? No. No, I keep on walking. Mm-hmm. They're not even asking for clients. Yeah. They're just like, oh, yeah. if I post fitness content, people are going to magically know to ask me to train with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not even like you're not even like putting out a sign saying we're open for business. Like the simplest yeah. things ever. Yeah. Um, you know, I want a sandwich. Like there are people who will <laughs> buy your services. Hey, I'm going to interrupt the show because I have to share one of my most favorite pieces of home equipment slash travel equipment. And if you love to work out as much as I do, then you're going to want to check out Max Pro Fitness. This is so awesome. If you're following me on IG, coach underscore JVB, you will see some of the videos I posted with the MaxFit Pro. It's a full cable system that folds up into a backpack and you can legit bring it anywhere or pull it out like it's so easily stored and for all my fellow strong women out there there are 50 resistance settings from five pounds all the way up to 300 pounds at the turn of a dial and the entire system only weighs 10 pounds I love it so much that I have partnered with them to offer you guys a hundred dollars off your purchase 
So I'm going to include the link in the show notes. Be sure to check it out and you're going to save $100 off the full cable system that folds up into a backpack. Oh my God, guys, you are going to love it. I hope you take me up on this opportunity because you are not going to be disappointed. What I told you about, like the third thing, walking and and knocking on doors, not knocking on doors, but like walking into shops. That's actually what I did back in the day. Now I did it in the gym. I didn't, I didn't go to the stores. I did. I mean, I got to know the community for sure, particularly the hairdressers and the, and the, and the coffee shop baristas I get to know really well. Um, and I go in and I tip them really well and stuff like that. But, and they'd start like introducing me to other people when I'm in there. Right. Um, but in the gym, I actually had a big spreadsheet of all the members that I'd meet. And anytime I'd meet somebody on the gym floor, um, and I had a conversation with them, I'd go back, to, I'd write down notes on my clipboard and then I'd go back to the computer and put that in. And when I'd see somebody swipe in at the front, oftentimes I like wouldn't remember their name, but I'd know that I knew them. And so I'd sprint to the computer like before they had a chance to come into the gym. And I'd look at the swipe because we could see what their name was. And I'd pull them up on my spreadsheet and I'd be like, oh, they had a kid who had a bar mitzvah like two weeks ago, whatever it was. Or, oh, you know, how's, uh, how's Timmy doing in hockey? Like, hey, Jeff, how's Timmy doing in hockey? How do you That's think powerful. I filled my clientele? Yeah. It's the yeah. exact same thing, just membering these yeah. details. I did the same thing. I remember I I uh, I kind of wanted to get out of the gym. So I mm-hmm. took the summer back in 2012 and I literally like knocked on doors and told them I was putting on boot camp in the park. And mm-hmm. I had like 20 women coming to my boot camps like every day. And then I asked at the end of the summer if they wanted to do a body transformation with me. And then that's cool. how I kind of transitioned online. Right. But it was like real people um, and talking and, and forming relationships, which um, yeah. I, I love. I love one of your posts. I think you post it often on Instagram, but it's like, how many people did you talk today? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell <laughs> you a story. So true. Because Allison's here in the office. My, my <laughs> wife is here in the office with me. So Hi, I'll tell Allison. you a story about her. Oh, she can't hear you. But uh <laughs> She, she smiled and said hi. Uh, Allison, so we live in Mexico in the winter in a little town called Silita. And um, there's a women's organization for um, battered women, for women in not such good situations that Allison, her mom, have become involved in and, and, and raised money for and stuff like that. And so they wanted to raise enough money to be able to buy a van to basically transport these women out of pretty abusive situations. And so one of the things that Allison did is she makes beautiful jewelry. Mm. And so she made a couple pieces like beautiful earrings and, and stuff like that and posted it on her social media. Now, Allison doesn't have like, like she did a bunch of online stuff a couple years ago and stuff like that. Like she's got thousands of followers, like more than a normal person who has never put any effort into the online thing would have. Right? And she put it out and told the whole story, which is of course a very, I mean, everybody wants to support that. Like these things are like 50 bucks. Like, why would you not support it? Right. And, uh, and, and showed the jewelry and it's beautiful and not a single person responded. She posted mm-hmm. about it. Not a single person responded. I think she posted about it again, a bit different way. Not a single person responded. Then she just emailed a couple people personally mm. and said, Hey, not sure if you saw, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Um, look, it's pay what you can. I'm asking like, you know, $50 each, but honestly, like even five, you know, I just really, you know, I'd really love to support them. Was it something like eight out of 10 people responded pretty much right away. A couple of the even said, oh yeah, I think that I saw something about that. 
one of them sent $500, right? It's just, it's, it's the difference between what we're so like social media was meant to connect us. And what it's done is it's disconnected us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think this connection is what we're missing. I mean, even on my accounts, I will, I have like, as one of my to-dos every day is to have a one-on-one conversation with a minimum of 10 people mm, I love that. every single day on social media. That's just that, it, like 10 people every single day is 3,600 people a year. A year, yeah. Who probably I have, if they follow me and if they, if they like my work or have followed my work or have even seen my work before, I probably have given them more attention than any other single person they have ever followed online by just saying hi and asking them how they are. Like the bug is set low, dude. It, it is. It, is. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. You know? So, and also like people are just bombarded with social media. Like they're just scrolling. Like you, you can't expect that your one post, like your your entire following is going to see like I think what is it like two percent of your following sees your post it depends yeah I mean it depends I I follow um name's Adam I can't remember his last name but the CEO of Instagram uh yeah he's a good he's a good follow because he does like Q and A's and stuff like that and they're often the same questions that everybody asks him but they're like hey why aren't you showing my post to people and he's like well here's the reality Mm. when you post something there's a lot of other people posting something and the odds are that all of you, like, basically, your followers are not always online, Yeah. number one. So even if we showed your post to every single one of your followers that was online at that time, odds are it would still be less than 50% of the people who are following you. In addition, these people follow often a lot of other folks, which mm-hmm. means that there's just not enough space to put them in. Like, this is the situation. Yeah. It's not that we don't want to. Like, our success is making you successful. Like, mm-hmm. we are doing mm-hmm. everything we can to do that. Um, and so I try, I, you know, I try not to get down on that. Um, to me, it's, it's just a matter of trying to, I mean, this is like more the nitty gritty of, content creation but i i'm thinking two things these days um as it pertains to that one is it's just so hard i mean back when i started my website 2011 i posted two articles a week tuesday and thursday at 8 p.m that was it for the week those two articles fed enough for growth that week and that was hard to do. That was hella hard to do. These days, you really need to be posting every day, if not Mm -hmm. ideally multiple times a day, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and being responsive and engaging. It is so, 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 so hard. Yeah. It is effectively my full-time job with a few staff members. Yeah, because you grew your Instagram significantly over what, just a year, right? Like it's just what's been important for me at this time. It was your, I cannot, there is no way that I would be able to do what I'm doing if it wasn't my primary focus, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. content, but you're also building relationships. 
Well, I'm building relationships, right? So yeah, my job, like the way that I've structured things is I have businesses mm-hmm. that are largely run by themselves or run by mm-hmm. other folks. And my job is to feed the businesses through my personal brand, through content. If I was operating or working in the business or providing the services myself, there is no way that I'd be able to do that. So I say all of this um, to say that, number one, because I said there was two things that I'm thinking about. Number one is it is so hard to do content mm-hmm. that I know, I believe, the majority of people that are doing any type of content right now are going to flame out so quickly that really all that I need to do is just stick around. Yeah. Because said, most yeah. won't. And I've seen that happen over the years and it's yeah. only getting more. I mean, you just, yeah. you just, man, you, you come in guns a blazing. There's no way you're keeping that up. Like you are not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not, <laughs> and, and even if you are like, how in the world are you going to produce that much? So that's number one is just like, I'm just, I, I've become obsessed with the process. And once a week I do a review with Amber, who's my media manager. And we sit down, we did it just before this call. And we sit down and we review all of the content from the past week. And we look at what works and we look at what didn't work. I don't look at anything other than that That's awesome. in terms of how it works. And, and the second is, the second thing that I think about is like, what are you trying to achieve with the thing? I mean, I'm writing on Instagram, like nuanced, like niche of a niche of a niche yeah. advice for personal trainers. Mm-hmm. It's not going to go viral, but it's going to get sent from a facility manager to a district manager. Yeah. And so I'm building an audience new reputation amongst basically all of the leaders in fitness. Um, but the numbers aren't as big, right? So that's mindful. Mm-hmm. And so again, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of like anything else, having a strategy and believing in it. I mean, this is what we're taught in fitness is what happens on any given day is kind of irrelevant. If you know where you want to go and you create a plan and a strategy working backwards, you got to put on those blinders and you got to execute forward yeah. and not get absorbed into the day to day. Some days are going to be great. Like yesterday, some days are going to be more rough in the gym because your kid woke up every two hours last night. That was today. <laughs> but what matters is you. that you showed up and did it. And, um, and it's, it's, the same, it's, it's, it's the same kind of idea. You got to just have a plan and execute on it because most don't. Most are pretty yeah. scattershot. And I love how you categorize like trainers. I think it's brilliant how you, you know, you like, a, let, let's say, um, uh, a new trainer, zero to two years. Like, what should they be concentrating on? They should be concentrating yeah. on building relationships, and you know, um, you know, you don't need a lot of customers. You don't need to go out on social. You just basically need to talk to people, get them in the door, and work with oh. them. With a mid-level trainer, you're, you know, you you want to really focus on maybe freeing up your time, right? Yeah. Freeing up your time in in certain ways, and 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 categorizing your 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 clients in abc and then when we get when you get to that elite trainer uh what are some of the things that an elite trainer should be 
doing to maybe scale their business or completely, you know, get off the gym floor and, and really grow a business if that's what they want to do. I think it comes down to where they are and what they want though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. do they really want to scale? I mean, I know a lot of personal trainers that are that have been in it for a decade plus that are charging 130 to 150 bucks an hour that are making $200,000 plus a year and are happier than a pig and shit. Yeah, true. Like, it's just a, it's, it's a good life once mm-hmm. you get to that point. They're not looking to scale. They're not looking to build passive income streams like passive income the the dream of passive income is just a funny one to me because active income is often way more profitable than any active than any passive income is and what a lot of people don't realize is that basically the only function of a business is to make money so that you can make money with better way to make more money than to already have money that you invest and so if you have an active business that fires off a whole bunch of cash, you'll make way more money with that, just doing more of that and then investing that cash than you ever will trying to scale with an ebook that you sell for $27. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, understanding how money works, I think is a very important thing for trainers at that point. Like, I believe that there's a book by somebody named Morgan Housel that is um, probably the most important book that I've ever read. It's certainly one of the best books I've ever read. And it's called The Psychology of Money. And why I think it's so brilliant is it's not like, I've read a ton of books about investing, about you know wealth management and that. This is kind of about that, but more than anything else, it's about how to build your own personal philosophy of how you think about money and understanding that good advice might not be good advice for you for what to do with your money. Somebody who is a very good day trader of commodities is probably very, very smart and probably has very good advice. But for me, for my personal philosophy, it's completely irrelevant. So it's good advice. It's just not good advice for me. And you're going to get shouted at a bunch by people who are saying smart things that don't align with your philosophy and they're going to confuse the hell out of you if you've never identified your own philosophy. And so I believe that at that stage, the best thing that a trainer can do, anybody who works in fitness can do is take a step back and build their own personal philosophy about how they want to live their life, build their own philosophy about money and identify what it's going to take to be there because that will allow you to see through whatever you need to see through And oftentimes that means ignoring things like getting rich quick or whatever. I mean, the example that I gave you before of like the Dogecoin guy, it's just like, oh my God, this guy got too rich. And there's like a pang in me that's like, oh shit, like, why didn't I do that? And then there's another part of me that's like, well, he made a stupid fucking decision. Like it worked out for him. Great. Um, I mean, now it didn't. Now he's broke again. Because (laughs) what you will find is that people who make bad decisions, even if they hit it rich, eventually it comes back at them because they made bad decisions. Um, What you will also find is that it will feel like you're moving backwards the majority of the time. Mm. And that's normal because life growth, business growth, personal growth does not occur in a linear fashion. It occurs in Mm -hmm. an exponential fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, The parallel to that, again, I'll go back to investing because we're kind of talking about that because I took the direction that way is, um, one of the best performing stocks of all time. You wouldn't believe what it is. What is that? Monster drinks. 
What? Really? Yeah. It's like they own a couple properties, but it's actually one of the best performing stocks of all time. Doesn't mean it's, it's it doesn't mean the company is worth the most, yeah. right? It just means that like the stock has increased in value just about more than any other stock. Oh. Here's the most interesting part of it. If you were to look at it, the 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 I won't say the best because I don't quite know whether it's one of the best. If you were to look at it, one of the best performing stocks at all time, and you were to actually do an assessment, people have done this, of how much it was, how often it was moving backwards, it actually traded below its all-time high 96% of the time. Wow. The quite literal, one of the best performing stocks of all time was going backwards. Wow. 96% of the time. But the 4% that it was going forwards, it went forward so much that it outweighed and outperformed all of the 96% moving backwards. And I don't know about you. I mean, you guys are doing pretty good, you and Vince, but I, shit, I, every, I mean, on any given day, it feels like I'm moving backwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we, uh, exactly. We're, oh, I think it, we're in, um, we're in a point where we, and this is what I love reading when I read your article about if you get to the point where you're actually turning your coaching business into a team. And yeah. I'll have to admit, we've, we've tried turning our coaching business into a team so many times. It is finally working, but it took us so many years to do it. Um, and now we're doing it in a way where we're actually like, teaching them, like whoever wants to be a coach, like we're actually, you know, walking them through a full certification. Um, and then our, our mastermind from there. And it it took us years to do it because it is so challenging, you know, to transition outside of coaching one-on-one. Um, cause that was my passion. That's what I love to do. Um, and now that isn't so much my passion anymore. My passion is Mm -hmm. to teach other trainers to do that, but we we literally had to go backwards to move forward because it took us yeah. so many years and just retrying and trying it a different way. Um, and that's when. So what you did know, you figure out that that flipped the switch for you? Um, I had to I had to stop coaching myself, and we actually okay. had to have um, programs in place that we built out for them. Like we were kind of just yeah. training them like one on one, and then thinking that they would just catch on and and mm-hmm. know it. <laughs> just because that's what I've been doing for so long. You know, you just take, you take it for granted of what, you know, um, and it's really hard to turn into that teacher. Um, but it's taken me about maybe two or three years now. I finally am doing it, but it's so true. Like from the outside, it looks all great. Um, and I feel like a lot of people that want to grow businesses, they don't realize the ups and downs that you go through. And, um, and the constant retrying. <laughs> you failed to realize how special you were. Mm-hmm. You were in the position to hire a team because by definition, you were an outlier and you were special. And you, as a result, have a very hard time replacing yourself. Mm-hmm. So my strategy to that is... I don't try to replace myself. Mm. What I do is I build the IP 
such need to find subject matter experts to deliver my material for me. And so I, I create curriculums for whatever I'm doing, right? So I've, I've run, um, right now there's, there's two coaching companies uh, that I run. They're, they're both uh, sort of business coaching type things, but they're still coaching companies. And, and I don't coach in any of them. I've never coached in any of them, but it's my IP, right? Because the better a job that you do building a curriculum for the thing, it becomes very, very hard to bring somebody in and be like, hey, coach like me, here's, here's clients. Yes, yeah. But what you do is you build a curriculum that they can follow, and then you identify the skills or attributes that these people need to have. Mm-hmm. And so in my case, um, it was, I basically just needed really good coaches. I needed really empathetic people. I needed people who understood motivational interviewing really well, because I didn't need them to know about the business stuff. Right. You shouldn't need to know people. You shouldn't need to hire people who have like super high end fitness or nutrition knowledge because you should centralize that. Mm. It's the coaches. And the best way to build a coaching business is actually to hire your best clients because they've been through. And and that's what we've done. (laughs) Well, exactly. And you can Mm -hmm. only do that if you have a really strong curriculum that they then instruct to others. Yeah. And they can connect with new people because they were once in their shoes. And then you just look for for the couple of skills, for the couple of attributes that are really important to you, which is often really good listening skills, patience, empathy. Um, Motivational interviewing is something that may have to be taught, but it's also like, People kind of naturally get it or they don't, right? And um, and that that makes a world of difference. Um, I don't really think that you can grow stuff any other way. Um, big gyms have a hell of a time trying to bring on yeah. coaches because they just yeah. they lose nine out of ten yeah. trainers that they bring on. Um, wow. It's just it's sink or swim. And this idea that. Um, somebody knows enough on day one to like, it just doesn't exist. Like yeah, you've been doing yeah. this for how long? Yeah. <laughs> right? Decade plus. Building the curriculum was so key for us and, and teaching and being able to teach them exactly how we do things. And then, and also hiring our, our clients that have gone through the system was huge. And now we mm-hmm. finally have an amazing team that, that is, is growing. And we're kind of in that spot now where I feel like it could really take off to the next, but it was, it was a lot of years of going backwards. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, there's, there's breaking points, right. With, with business, it's well-documented um, where anywhere from like zero to a hundred thousand, you're basically just scratching and clawing. Yeah. You know, you don't have really anything you get up to about a million. And at that point you, you kind of have some sort of method that works, you've got probably one way to attract clients. The biggest mistake people make in that is like, they try to have multiple ways to attract customers. Mm-hmm. You basically want to have like one main one offer way. and one way to mm-hmm. attract customers. Um, and then you get up to 3 million and, and you start to um, scale yourself, like 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 productize and, and get yourself out of it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but you still really only need like at that, up from like one to three is like, offer, right? Like you need to like, you need to make sure that what you're delivering is dialed in, communicates the value well. And you probably only have like one way to acquire customer skill because you really only need one way. You just figure out how to make more per customer. And then somewhere between like three and 10, this is where people often go wrong. This is what you guys are doing is you actually have to take a step back 
and yeah. improve your core offering and improve the product. And when you do that, you'll find that you can then charge more, you attain more, and then you're starting to build. You're not, new customers are not replacing old customers. They're, they're additive. They're staying. And that's when that growth happens. And then mm-hmm. once you get past that point, you can, you can start expanding into other ways to acquire customers if you want. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's like a well-documented step. I think, I think anybody who's been in business feels that pain. I mean, I mm-hmm. feel that pain. I feel like we could talk um, for hours about this, but I really want to, I really want you to talk about quick coach um, because I feel like a lot of our community can uh, benefit from quick coach. Quick coach is free software for personal trainers, nutrition coaches, habit coaches, either online or in-person or hybrid for them to use with their clients. And for context, I've advised almost every software company since 2012. And I've wanted to build Quick Coach since 2015. And I told uh, a bunch of the other companies to build it. Basically, we need something that is simple, that Mm -hmm. is eloquent, that does what it does and nothing extra. We don't need robust automation. We don't need all of these extra integrations and stuff that nobody uses, but you have to pay developers to do. So you have to charge your customers a lot. And nobody built it. And so I said, screw it, I'll do it myself. And I did. And so Quick Coach is about two months old now. Um, we may have crossed 15,000 users. That's awesome. I haven't actually wow. checked. Uh, but we're, we're in it about 15,000 users and it's going really quick, which is wonderful. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's so obscenely easy to use for the coach, but more than anything for the client. Yeah. Um, what was really important for me was just removing every element of friction. And so just as one example, uh, there's no apps to download on the app store or anything like that. And we will have a custom app and a custom client app. But it's not going to be on the App Store or in EOS or Android. Um, it's going to be done differently, and I won't bore you with how. But you're still going to have an icon on your client's screen, cool. and they'll click on it, and they'll act the exact same way as now. But the problem is when you when you download an app, um, the apps have to align with the EOS stores updates and stuff like that, which basically means whenever EOS makes an update, you've got to abide by it, which means you've got to have developers who do it, which is expensive. Mm. Stuff breaks all the time. And it's super annoying and really expensive if you want to have your own app on the EOS or Android store, which is basically what you're paying for. And it's unnecessary. Um, what we have done, and also like even sending an onboarding a client is just stupidly complicated. It's like, oh, you send them an email. It's like, okay, I'm going to send you a custom email with a, with a link to download an app. Oh, I didn't get the email. Oh, yeah. okay, I'm going to send it again. Oh, I deal oh with check that your spam every day. filter. Oh, check your whatever, right? <laughs> And it's just like, none of these are problems that yeah. need to happen. Yeah. Because it's the what, back and forth you do not need. <laughs> it's, it's the dumbest thing ever. And for your client, I mean, for the coach, like whatever, it's your job maybe, but for the client, it's a miserable experience. They're just starting yeah. with trainer. They're excited. This is going to take the window to their sale. And all that our system does is we, it creates effectively like a Google Drive link, like a Google Sheets link for that person. And um, it's a mini site for them that's public on the net. So when you create a client, mm-hmm. it creates that link for the person. You send them that link, click, awesome. they're onboarded. Like I actually, in one of my emails, show you how to onboard a client in a three second GIF. Wow. To the point and it where replaces you create the Google Docs. And, and it replaces Google Docs. Yeah yeah yeah. 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 It's not in Google Docs. It just acts the same yes. way, right? 
Um, and so this whole thing is encapsulated um, either on the browser or it's, it's inside an app. And so that's just one example where we've just removed all of the friction out of the experience. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so beautifully simple and slick um, to use and professional is the yeah, main we, thing. We actually reviewed it in our, in the next issue of Strong. So the September, October issue with your article. So if you guys oh, cool. don't have that, go pick it up right now. It's on shelves. John, where can everybody find you? Uh, Instagram Talk is the only to place. You. Yeah, At Instagram. it's Coach Goodman on Instagram. Uh, awesome. Is I yeah, I mean, that's good. I don't really hang it anywhere else. I'll include your your Instagram link and then even the link to Quick Coach. Whatever you want to include will be in the show notes. Appreciate that. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. I always uh, love talking. I feel like we could talk for hours. <laughs> this was the first podcast I've agreed to and probably half a year or so. Uh, This was fun. Thank (laughs) you so much. Thank you so much, John. Say hi to Allison. Bye. And that's a wrap on another episode. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I just love being able to share these strong stories and thoughts with you. And I hope you were able to take away a piece of inspiration from today. If there's one favor I could ask, please keep sharing post a screenshot, share a direct link with a friend, or post a review and help spread the word so more people can tune in and find their strong. And if you ever wanted to subscribe to our strong fitness magazine and get the physical copy mailed to your doorstep for more inspiration and motivation, I will include the link in the show notes and please feel free to use my strong girl three discount code to save. Guys, I cannot wait for the next show. I'm Jennifer Van Barnabelle Pay. Take care and stay strong.